Welcome to Practically Christian. I'm Jake, and I'm here with Luke. Hi, guys. And Janelle. Hey. Uh, we share conversation that help you know Jesus more deeply and follow him more faithfully. The truth is, no one has arrived at Christ-likeness. To grow in that direction, we believe you need authentic relationships and biblical theology applied to your everyday life. We hope that you are encouraged to grow and to live out the biblical truths that we discuss on this episode. Let's get practical and dive into a conversation about marriage. So today is going to be a little bit different because, uh, number one, I'm not married, and so I have very little experience with marriage. And so I'm just going to be interviewing Luke and Janelle, who have a marriage that I very much respect um, and value um, them and how they relate to each other. So let's jump in. We got married in 2008, right out of college, and we got married in a beautiful location up in the mountains, balmy summer day, and um, just had a beautiful wedding. And I was thinking about this podcast. I was thinking about how everyone's vows, if you take traditional vows, are pretty much the same. And we did write our own, but we stuck to the traditional template, I want to say. So it includes things like in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer. Um, Basically, I vow to love you and um, be with you through life until death do us part. Janelle's struggling here. We wrote (laughs) our vows and then we were going to memorize them and I memorized them. (laughs) I did not memorize them sufficiently. I was seriously studying them while they were like doing my hair and stuff and then I I, like froze up and couldn't remember them. So luckily, Philip, our officiant, had them handy and I was able to say my vows through my tears. Yes, I survived. We got married, one way or the other, with or without memorized vows. <laughs> well, we were just talking about how like everyone basically makes the same vows, but people's experiences of marriage and in marriage are vastly different. Like just because you make these promises, that doesn't mean you're going to have a great marriage. Um, and so, I think Jake's idea for this podcast episode was to give a vision for um, a healthy marriage. Not that we by any means have a perfect marriage um, but we do seek to grow and to follow Jesus in our marriage and put God at the center so we've and we've gone through a lot uh, these past 12 years um, a lot of like the normal married stuff you know going through the journey of having kids and um, pregnancy like pregnancies were just rough for Janelle like you know like there's morning sickness uh, many women suffer from that during the first trimester of having babies Janelle suffered that all three trimesters of having babies with every single one of our four kids. Uh, and so if you do the math on that, she was like sick for like three and a half years. Uh, <laughs> our 12 years of marriage. Truth. Uh, Medicine is amazing though, yeah. I will say. Yeah. Um, yeah, some of the things we've gone through, um, Luke had a bunch of student debt when we got married and it was like 70 grand. So yeah. we paid that off together. Luke went through two separate graduate degree programs, um, kind of managing life with Luke in school. Um, we've had not only my health issues with the pregnancies, but we've had a few um, other medical things that come up. Um, one of our daughters has had a couple of surgeries and um, walked with her through that. Um, and we've just been through ministry changes and 
um, friends, friends moving away, um, loneliness, being yeah. in a new town without many people in our demographic, and yeah, and just even the the tension of being in ministry. Our first few years of marriage, you you know, we're working full time, so traditional hours, and even though I was only part time, I was working much more than that, and busy almost every night of the week, all day Sunday. So that just doesn't leave a lot of time in between for enjoying each other and doing stuff together. So Yeah, so I've, I feel like we've seen a lot of ups and downs, but I think that we've grown a lot through the last 12 years, and I'm looking forward to this interview so we can share with you guys a little bit of our story and um, just hopefully can edify you in your journey and your place, wherever that is. Yeah, hopefully encouraging you with the ways we've gotten this right and more so warning you against the ways we've gotten it wrong so you don't have to repeat our many several mistakes. Yeah, so... We're actually going to start with kind of a before marriage question mm-hmm. with what did you guys do that built your relationship well before you got married and even maybe before engagement when you were dating that showed a lot of fruit in your marriage? So one of the things I think uh, Janelle and I did well in our dating relationship was I say early openness. Like um, we talked in the last episode about... Uh, growing in emotional depth in a relationship and not jumping into that too quickly, but that you have to work to grow that. And I think we did that really well. And what I mean by that is there were no surprises uh, once we got engaged or once we got married. Um, Tragically, for many couples, there's like a, oh, by the way, here's some skeletons in my closet that you didn't know about when you chose to marry me or when um, I proposed to you. And for us, like uh, like halfway through our dating relationship, like we knew basically all of each other's junk and backstories and baggage. And so kind of had open eyes and knew that fully going into marriage. Yeah, and I, I would say just to tack onto that, it just builds a lot of trust when you feel like you are seeing kind of past the shallows of a person's life and personality and um, definitely builds trust to know each other at that level. Of course, we learned a lot about each other in, I want to say, ways that you can't prepare for <laughs> before marriage. Um, but I, I would say that that wasn't breaching any trust lines of surprising us with things that were should have been shared or anything like that. And I, another strength, and I know this doesn't work out for everyone, like just some situations don't allow this, but we did start as friends. We were part of the same friend group. I still remember um, it was our freshman year of college and it was the first like vacation weekend where we had that Friday off of classes and that Monday off of classes and it was our freshman year so almost everyone went home. Um, they were homesick. Except just, for people who were too poor to go home. Yeah, like us. <laughs> so um, there was just a small group of us who stayed back and hung out that whole weekend and really bonded over that time. That's the time. That's when we really became friends, um, sticking onto some property and things like that. (laughs) Harmless trespassing. (laughs) So on the opposite side of that, what is something that now that you've been married for a while that you wish that you would have made an effort to make stronger or to build into your relationship earlier? I think... One of the main things that stands out to me is we entered marriage not having kind of figured out how to unite financially. Um, I think that was something that 
just doesn't come up relationally off the cuff as much when you're dating because you each have your own money and you're each, you know, doing your own thing. Um, so I think that's something that we supposedly covered in our premarital counseling, but not to an extent that was actually helpful, I want to say. Um, and especially since we graduated in a deep recession of the economy and um, with lots of student loan debt and um, just a lot of uncertainty about, like, it's not like we had permanent jobs. We're kind of in a transition place at that point. Um, And we also just have very different, I want to say, family financial backgrounds and spending habits. And we really weren't on the same page with that at all or hadn't talked about it at a level that was actually helpful to us. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one area that we could have prepared better if we had thought through that together and and had some good conversations around that before we got married. What should couples who are dating do with money talks and preparations? I mean, I think debt is one question. Um, Some Christian gurus, I want to say, say basically that the man is the provider and he should be completely out of debt and completely able to provide and his wife should be able to be a housewife essentially as soon as you're married which I don't agree with, um, and that definitely wasn't the case for us. I love my favorite quote, maybe from my entire time in youth group with Luke, was Luke saying, I figured I was either going to be poor with a wife or poor without a wife. <laughs> and I would rather be poor with a wife. <laughs> I totally don't remember saying that, but that sounds like how I feel about the matter. So I can't... <laughs> And I'm not saying that you shouldn't seek after some kind of stability in your life circumstances or anything like that. I I do believe that there's some merit, I want to say, to those considerations that that shouldn't be completely out of. It shouldn't just be fall in love and do what your heart says or something like that. Um, But I would say um, financially what we could have done is actually talked through um, your debt load and what that would look like. What What is the monthly payment on that? Because we were kind of in the grace period still when we got married and then didn't even know a few months into marriage what our next month's payment was going to be for your for your student loans. So that kind of thing. I, I feel like we could have done a, lo- a better job preparing for the financial realities mm-hmm. in that sense. And then also on just like the day-to-day sense, um, we had some great advice from a couple in our small group who talked about fun money, which is basically giving yourself an allowance, which was really helpful um, in our early marriage, figuring out stuff. Because Luke's much more of a spender and I'm more of a saver. And both have legitimate aspects (laughs) to them. Like money is for spending and um, not for just hoarding forever. And also... Spending all your money is not a wise choice, <laughs> and yeah. spending when you don't have the margin that month is not a wise choice. So I think um, kind of setting those financial margins and um, boundaries. And and the reason fun money was helpful is that like it's like whatever your allowance is for that, the spouse is not allowed to judge how you spend that. It's like all right, that's your fun money. Janelle, you can let it pile up and carry around hundreds of dollars of fun money in your wallet, and I can spend all of it on coffee every month, and there's no judgment either way. It's like, no, that's your money to, yeah. Yeah, I will say, especially since I'm not a coffee drinker, I can be judgmental about spending $5 on Starbucks coffee, because I'm like, why? (laughs) It's so expensive, why? (laughs) Um, So yeah, I think that was was definitely helpful. But yeah, I think there are just some some little habits and, and just discussions that should be had. Um, especially in that engagement period. Mm-hmm. 
Cool. So we kind of started answering this question a little bit already of what advice did you get before you got married that was helpful? And so I think the fun money thing mm -hmm. is a helpful thing. Was there anything else that really stood out that the advice that showed it was really true and that has helped you guys along? Yeah, one of the things we were talking about is, I don't remember who gave you this advice, Janelle, but you even shared it with me of how your first year of marriage or so, you're forming new habits and figuring out how to do the home together. And there's this tendency to be like, no, 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 I'll do that because you're almost still in that dating phase of like, oh, the kind thing is to do everything for the other person. Um, but you realize like you're building like the habits that you're going to be in your marriage. So, um, kind of to like never complain when the other person offers to help and to thank them for their help, but then also to have kind of those ongoing conversations of like, which household chores do you not mind doing? I mean, none of us love doing dishes or taking out trash, but you know, like I, for some reason hate sweeping and Janelle doesn't mind it, you know, like having those honest conversations about like, what do you kind of enjoy doing or not mind doing? And, and I hate grocery shopping and Luke enjoys it. Yeah. There so, you go. <laughs> so I always do the errands even now, 12 years later. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So on the opposite side of that, I mean, there's a lot of marriage advice that is thrown around. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at the Christian book market for marriage books, it's probably 90% of the books that are sold. So is there any advice that just was not helpful to you or that you even just found out was just wrong for you at least? Yeah, I would say some people said something along the lines of, you're not really married until you've had your first big fight or yeah. almost like you don't know what it's like to be really married until you have a screaming match. Yeah. Um, and it was actually kind of frustrating because even like two years into marriage, they're like, oh, you guys don't really know what marriage is about still. It was almost like this demeaning, like, you guys don't really know how this marriage thing works because you haven't fought. And I think that was coming out of people's individual experiences. Um, so for them, that was when kind of the rubber meets the road in their marriage and they realized, oh, everything's not a honeymoon period forever. And um, But that was coming out of their personalities too. We have plenty of unhealthy aspects, but... For neither of us is that going to come out in a screaming match because that's just not how we're wi wired. And that's not saying, oh, we're so much healthier than people who yell at each other. But that's we we would be much more likely to hold like a little bit of a quiet bitterness about something or yeah. that kind and of thing than yeah. yell about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The other one that was kind of similar was that uh, we heard from a number of people that the first few years of marriage are the hardest, and like you know, just get through the first few years of marriage, and then things will get easier. And that wasn't the case for us. Like, yeah, but we had a lot of fun our first few years of marriage and enjoyed each other. And like, yeah, didn't go through this weird, tough time, which is a good thing. Why do you think that is? I think a lot of people either aren't friends first or don't have as deep of a friendship first. Or in some cases, I think have maybe never lived with like a close roommate or something like that like they've lived more independently and then they get married and then it's like a lot of yeah friction a lot of friction um trying to work things out so i think those can be some of the reasons do you have any other ideas i think both of us are from families with intact parental marriages mm -hmm. um which yeah. i know that that they each have their different struggles and things but 
Um, I think that is part of it. I think we were both raised in a stable environment of trust with each other and our parents, and um, I think that that contributes in, I want to say, ways that we can't quantify or notice. Um, but then also we both have siblings, and so yeah. that roommate thing that you just mentioned actually goes back into our young adult slash earlier teen slash childhood yeah. years. And so I think working things out in conflict, um, conflict with people that you know and love and live with mm-hmm. is kind of something that you work out in that situation, which I think if I were uh, an only child or if my only siblings were really distant from me in years or whatever and kind of had a pseudo only child experience, that, that might have been a harder Mm-hmm. Transition. Yeah. So, you know, we this whole podcast is about taking biblical theology and mixing it with practical life application. There's a lot of marriages in the Bible, a lot of marriages that are really bad in the Bible, and some that are really good. What kind of lessons or ideas from the Bible have helped you in your marriage? Yeah, when I think about what the Bible teaches on marriage, the one that stands out to me most is the passage written by Paul in Ephesians 5, where he offers this vision of um, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, and husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And it's this huge calling on both people, and both people are to yield to this relationship and make sacrifices for it as unto the Lord. Um, and so I think that's actually a beautiful vision of what a Christian marriage should consist of and the heart attitude that each of the people should bring to it. Yeah, and importantly, Paul doesn't say, husbands, get your wives to submit to you as unto the Lord. He just says, wives, do this as unto the Lord. Um, because those verses have been used actually in a, um, in a way that I don't think Paul ever intended them to be used and understood, unfortunately. So on that, submission is kind of a weird word nowadays, and I think the other side of it with what men sacrifice, you know, for, give yourselves, for your wives, they seem like things that maybe aren't in our culture. So can you explain what Paul means by submission and what he means by give yourselves for? Mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, I would say uh, the passage, like the original grammatical structure yeah the original grammatical structure of the passage is Paul says submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ wives to your husbands and then husbands love your wives and so actually there is like a mutual submission so whatever submission is actually we're both called to do that to each other um, and to Christ most of all but I don't think submission means like oh Bay in everything because you're doing this as unto the Lord. So it's like, God, what would you have me do in this situation? This is what my husband wants. What would you have me do? Um, like it's to the Lord first. Yeah, and I would just say my emphasis is on who you're submitting to initially is to the Lord, and it comes out in your marriage. So I think. I think that there's a a freedom in that because I think sometimes you can look at your spouse and be like, well, your ideas are flawed or we disagree on this. Um, And I think you can make it about what your spouse is thinking and saying and doing as opposed to um, kind of that separation. You're actually doing it for the Lord and it's, it's an act of worship to, to God to, to um, pursue 
uh, humility and submission um, in the marriage. And again, that should be both spouses. Yeah, and then the husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I think this would apply differently depending on the person, their personality. Um, but another verse that comes to mind that I think speaks to about marriage and vision of marriage is, um, it's come to my mind sometimes, is Proverbs 31. And it goes through this, like, a noble woman, who can find? And then offers this vision of this noble woman. But it's interesting because it would have been a little bit... Um, surprising in the ancient context to find out that this woman is like doing these business ventures like she's selling goods and buying a field and figuring out what field to invest in um she's almost like becoming this businesswoman and i was challenged in that sense in that i tend to be very driven by my own goals and plans and projects and ministry and i have to like it takes a lot of intentionality for me like pause and like wait a second, Chanel, what's on your heart? What's on your mind? Is there anything you feel like God is leading you towards? Uh, like I remember uh, a little over a year ago, a year and a half ago, we started getting really into pop-up campers and uh, redoing them and fixing them up because we like redoing things and fixing things up with our home. Uh, but we got a pop-up camper and fixed it up and stuff. And um, for a while, like Janelle, you were considering like, maybe this could be a side business of like flipping pop-up campers, like buying old cheap ones, fixing them up and reselling them. And at first, like my honest reaction is like, I don't want to do that work. That's a lot of money and extra time. And we're already incredibly busy. And then I just had to stop and like, those are all my side of the equation. These are like my things I want to do that I would have to stop doing or something. And, um, no, in my heart, like I want to encourage you and want you to do what God has called you to do. So if that's what we're going to do, let's do it. And trying to almost work against my own gut reaction because I knew that that was not what I should have. And we didn't end up going that direction, but it could happen someday. It could. Yeah, so Janelle, is there any biblical advice that you found or any biblical story that you found helpful? Yeah, when I when you initially asked the question about the different couples, it was really hard to actually think of a couple that I admired in the Bible because there's so many bad examples or just, I would say, culturally irrelevant examples, if that makes sense, where they're just so different culturally that it's just like, you know, like... You admire Abraham's polygamy and things. Oh, so. yes, yes. So, Here's my handmaiden for you. Um, no. <laughs> um Yeah, but then I was reminded, I think you actually thought of it, but Priscilla and Aquila Mm. um, being this kind of ministry couple in the New Testament that are discerning together and reaching out to Apollos together. And it's actually interesting. I've heard, and I don't know if maybe you could tell us, Luke, if this is true, but the fact that Priscilla's name is mentioned first means that she would have been more famous or well-known or Mm -hmm. more powerful, essentially, like that, that um, structure of putting a name first meant more than it does now, um, yeah. as far as indicating importance. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, the the fact that Priscilla's name always comes first probably means that she was doing more of the ministry or was more well known among the Christians. 
So not to say that I'm more well-known because that's definitely not the true in our case. Actually, funny story. <laughs> About a year into after moving here and getting my job at Creepside, uh, my parents came to visit and I'm all proud. I'm like, look at our, you know, meet the people in our church community. And every single person, like, you know, my parents would introduce themselves like, hey, we're Luke's parents. And they'd be like, we love Janelle. <laughs> dot dot dot. <laughs> but also on that, like I think six months ago, I was helping a older gentleman in my neighborhood move uh, some stuff out of his garage, and I brought up uh, Creekside Community Church, and they were like, "Oh, Janelle Hyrand goes there. I know her." <laughs> and like we're like, "Say hi to her." And so, <laughs> so it fits. Janelle and Luke, not Luke and Janelle. <laughs> I don't think so, but. I mean, I just want to say they are an example of a couple that is doing life well together in Jesus and pursuing him together as a couple and that it seems like they are mutually supportive and like yeah. that their, I would say their union was promoting goodness in the church body. That's good. Last week we talked um, about being with and for someone as what kind of what marriage is about and what love is about. What does it look like to be for someone in a God-centered marriage? One of the things I think of being for each other um, is actually kind of the dark side of being for each other, which is accountability. I think. As a married couple, ideally, especially a Christian married couple, you're sharing openly about your thoughts, your feelings, your heart, and um, obviously sin areas and I want to say ugliness in you is going to come out with your spouse. So I would say if your spouse is unaware of maybe something that is like an attitude that's improper <laughs> in the Lord, um, that that it's kind of your job to bring that to their attention so that they can... Um, work on it and maybe see things that they don't see in themselves. And I've been grateful for when Luke's done that for me and I've been able to do that for him a few times um, in our marriage. So, Similar to that, we do a lot of um, trying to encourage each other to grow spiritually as well. So I think being for each other means being for the other person's relationship with God too. So like we've shared before how... um, I'm pretty good at being regular about reading my Bible, but not great at prayer. And Janelle's pretty good at praying naturally, but not great at reading her Bible. And so it's this constant thing where I'm trying to encourage Janelle to read her Bible more regularly, and she's trying to get us to pray together more regularly. So hopefully, like, we don't we don't let our own weaknesses lower each other, and but we, we use our own strengths to push each other forward and seek the good of the other person. And then I would say even just on a, I want to say a non-spiritual note, <laughs> just caring about each other and loving each other well means um, lots of different things and, and very, I would say, custom-tailored to the person mm-hmm. and their needs and their desires. And um, like I know, for instance, Luke does better if he works out, if he's feeling lots of stress and um, overwhelm or whatever. Working out is something that he needs to do. So making that part of my understanding of him can encourage me to help him in, in those just practical ways. Or uh, we're going to recommend the resource of the five love languages by Gary Chapman. And many people are familiar with this, but 
on a practical level, it's actually really difficult to, even if you understand mentally how different people have different love languages, to translate how you feel love to another person. So for example, thankfully Janelle and I are both highest in quality time. So that helps that that's our top one for both of us. But then our second ones are very different. I'm acts of service, Janelle's words of affirmation. And so I'm constantly doing these acts of service for Janelle. And I'm like, why does she appreciate this? It's not making a difference. And then realize, oh yes, oh yes, of course. It's not her love language. And so, I just have to keep doing, like being for her means, instead of expressing love the way I feel loved, I express love the way she feels loved, and um, I'm seeking to grow and giving her words of affirmation. Without being too cheesy. Yeah. Perfect. So, can you guys tell us about a time when you guys got it wrong in marriage and where things weren't going very well? and what it took to correct course. So one thing that comes to mind for me is when we were probably within the first few years of our marriage, whenever we would notice something that was kind of annoying us or kind of, I want to say, we looked down on for whatever reason, um, we wouldn't directly talk about it. We would... We'd make fun of it. We'd make fun of it. We would kind of, yeah, just mock it, I want to say. And then what we would often do too is it would even be hidden in like subtle language like you're so funny you do this with a dishwasher or whatever you know like instead of just saying hey Luke can you stop putting the bowls like that or whatever instead of being direct we would kind of yeah just say it really indirectly and it was frequent enough because there are so many things like that that are coming up when you're first married because everything is you know you're meshing your lives together and all of your little habits are coming out um it's frequent enough that I think that we just noticed it and it was annoying, and so we talked about it and decided that we needed to change. And it did take some time, but um, to get, to be more direct in our, mm-hmm. I would say, minor conflicts. Yeah, and another thing related to communication that we've struggled with is that we found when we are both not doing well is like when our communication would tend to break down. So if I'm really tired for whatever reason and stressed out and Janelle's in that similar space, um, that's when we've had like the most conflicts in our marriage where we're both, I mean, when you're tired, things set you off that normally don't set you off and annoy you that don't normally annoy you. So if you're in that space and they're in that space, it's just like, that's a rough time. And, um, yeah, just we wouldn't communicate well in those times. Um, yeah, I think we both were feeling needy. Yeah. Like we are the victim here or something. Like we almost both had a needy mentality. Mm-hmm. And so like you should give way to me because I'm the needy one. But if you're both in that place, it's not a recipe yeah. for health and wellness. Yeah. Although Jake asked how we got past that. And I don't really know. So I think one of the things we've done is learning the listening thing. So Luke's family does the reflective listening, which... Honestly, kind of annoys me when he does it to me sometimes if he's too obvious about it. <laughs> but reflective listening is essentially saying back to the person what they said to you and like rephrasing it and like trying to really understand what they are communicating. So instead of moving on from their thought to your response, it's staying in that space of their thought for a while mm-hmm. and trying to really kind of plumb the depths of what they're feeling and saying in that moment. Um, before you move on with your response. 
Yeah. The heart behind it is like to help the other people, the other person feel understood and know that they're understood before you respond. And yeah. So I think early in our marriage, whenever there was conflict, Luke would feel this great need to be understood and heard in that way. And I wasn't trained or ready to, you know, I I didn't know how to listen to him in a way that he felt loved and listened to. So we are basically the exact opposite of the stereotypical male, female, male, female hockey. hockey, right? Where stereotypically it's like the girl's like, oh, this is frustrating. The guy's trying to fix it. And she's like, don't fix it. Just listen. And that's basically exactly what I would say. <laughs> fix it to us. And I'm like, Luke would try to fix or to, to listen to me deeply. I'm like, just give me a solution and help me fix it. That's, that's the only reason we're having this conversation right now. So, yeah, we're very opposite. If, if you guys haven't seen the nail on the forehead video clip, you yeah. should definitely link that yeah, in this episode. Check that out. Perfect. So, um, I appreciate how this is leading straight into the next uh, question, which is. We get a lot of stuff and a lot of ideas about relationships from our parents and how our parents' relationships kind of played out in front of us. So what is a good thing that that's really helped you in your marriage that you guys have gotten from your parents? And what is something that has gotten in the way or been difficult to deal with that you kind of thought was normal and natural because of the way your parents related to each other? Yeah, like you said, this relates to the last question for me in that uh, my parents went through a lot of counseling and training on communication skills and then pounded that into us kids. But it was almost to this extreme where it became if someone has a problem or is hurting, like it's all about them. And so the way that, so that was a good thing, like to have those listening skills, those active listening skills in general. Um, but it kind of became twisted in like almost me demanding that Janelle listen to me in that way um, or even not feeling heard unless Janelle followed this certain formula of listening and responding to frustrations. I'd say for me, um, something good that I got from my parents is they, they definitely have a lot of mutual respect for each other. And so that was something I think I was really looking for when I was... Um, interested in Luke and and we dated and stuff like I wanted to to marry somebody that I would have this deep respect for and that who treated with me with that kind of respect so I think that's something that I took from my parents yeah one of the funny things when Janelle and I were dating um, she told me the story about her parents that I think was formative for her Um, I think it was when your mom was doing her PhD right so my dad was raised in a home with a disabled parent Um, His mother had MS, and so she had a lot of health struggles. And he was kind of always a a helper. So he's always been a helper helper in the home, but it kind of went to a different level when my mom started her PhD program. And um, my dad was trying to be supportive. He was like, what can I help you with? What can I help you with? And my mom was like, well, we need to shift it from you helping me with my jobs, like laundry is my job and you're helping me with my job, to this is our job and you're going to take some of it too. Um, so I, I was kind of raised with a very helpful dad, but also with that shift and that, that moment, um, in my awareness. And so, so the long and short is like Janelle and I are dating and she tells me a story and she's like, so I just want you to know, like 
I expect you to help, and I'm not going to be grateful about it or anything. <laughs> and that's not what I meant. I meant that I don't think I told you the story. I think I was just expressing that <laughs> I expect you to help out in the house and that it's our job that you're helping with, not yeah. my job. It's not this condescension that I'm yeah. expecting. Yeah, I'm not helping you with your work. work and I am so. grateful on a daily basis for Luke's <laughs> acts of service in our home. <laughs> so is there anything uh, from your parents' relationship that, whether it was a good or bad for your parents, that created like some kind of strife or something that was hard to do or like a habit of yours that it created that, made, that came up in your marriage negatively or no? And I, I say this having great respect for your parents and their marriage because I, I love your parents. <laughs> the first one that comes to mind is when you were cleaning up after I was trying to tell you stuff. Oh, yeah. So this is uh, from the modeling of my family. Um, my mom struggled with, like, some anger issues and our kids, like, us kids, like, our response, like, oh, man... You know, like, it looks like mom's about to get mad. Like, we better start cleaning up the house, basically. Usually it was something related to the housekeeping that would yeah. set her off. That would set her off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So you could kind of see that coming, and then you'd start cleaning the house because you didn't want her to set off um, and have this blow up. So I just remember early on in our marriage, um, Janelle I and I was, yeah. So I was frustrated after a long day of job searching and... It was just exhausting and felt like I spent my day being exhausted for no reason, um, sending out applications and stuff in a bad economy and um, for jobs that I'm not even that super excited about. <laughs> and so he would come home from work and I would be like venting about how frustrating and tiring the day was. And we would literally be like sitting on the couch together and I would be telling him about my feelings. And then he would just get up and start cleaning. Like in the middle of a sentence, he would just get up and start like manically cleaning the house and I was like what are you doing <laughs> like I'm telling you about how I'm frustrated right now and you're turning your back on me and cleaning the house I was trying to help you not blow blow it up <laughs> yeah it's just interesting how that does for me like I still kind of get a little nervous or start walking on eggshells when Janelle gets really frustrated even though she has never blown up at me in that way that internally I'm like bracing for or something. So one thing from my family, and I wouldn't say this is specifically from my parents, but maybe even more from my sibling relationships, is that um, we had this habit of the way that we would talk about things when we disagreed was friendly but mocking, if that makes sense. So we'd be like, oh, you're such an idiot, blah, 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 and we would just go off on each other and kind of like point fingers at each other and like make fun of the person for holding a view that you disagreed with and you would integrate your arguments with that mockery but it was definitely not a loving tone especially that you would see in a marriage relationship so yeah like um, you're a moron if you think that <laughs> because it's clearly uh yeah yeah and even if we didn't use those words we would use that Expression, I want to say, or that approach to the argument. So I would say um, that kind of antagonism really didn't sit well in our marriage. Like that just doesn't have a place in our marriage. And I think that is like a sibling thing. I remember Luke even coming back from a sibling trip that you went on with your brothers, mm -hmm. and he was being 
extra antagonistic and I was like getting upset and I was like, I am not your sister. Like you have to be sweet to me. I, I was just like, but it was like this weird thing that right after this trip, yeah. he had been so integrated with his, his family yeah. and his um, sibling life. It's like, you're close to me. I'm supposed to antagonize you. Like that's how it works. Right. <laughs> so I think that is something that, I don't know. Not just not just your parental dynamics, but your family dynamics can play into it. So it's actually kind of awesome that both of you guys grew up in families that work together and that in a lot of ways were really healthy. But that's not true for you know fifty percent or more of people in America right now. Mm-hmm. So if someone is coming from a either a broken family or just a family that has a very unhealthy parent relationship, um, that's modeled for them. What advice would you give to them in seeking to figure out how to have a good marriage or how to have a healthy marriage? Yeah, the first one I would say is find a healthy marriage, a healthy Christian marriage that you admire, and I want to say latch on to that. <laughs> like make that your vision of a healthy marriage, and try to I want to say supplant some of the the things that you have grown up with and make that your priority. Yeah, I remember Janelle's parents actually spent a whole year living in Uganda uh, a few years ago, and we got to visit them, which was really cool, and see where they lived. And they told this cool story about um, this young girl who they were kind of mentoring, um, and she told them at one point, she's like, just so you know, I don't want you to be weirded out, but I always watch you going to church. And like, what? Like every every Sunday when you go to church, I watch you. And she says, because um, you walk together, you hold each other's hands, you talk together, and I can tell there's like this mutual love and respect, and that's not the norm. Like I don't see a lot of that, and like I want to have a marriage like that was like the result of that, and um, and for her was like this narrowing of like. Now I know what kind of guy I'm looking for. Um, who's, I want a guy who's going to treat me like you, Ed, treat Janet. Um, so I thought that was a cool story of, yeah, just because you didn't receive personally from your parents a great model, there are good models out there and seek those out and learn from them. Yeah, and so I, this one's kind of important to me just because not in my immediate family, but in my extended family, there's some pretty messed up relational Mm -hmm. stuff that's happened um, between spouses. And one of my aunts has had some really unhealthy marriages where uh, her husbands didn't respect her at all. And that has unfortunately kind of shown up in her kids don't respect her and they treat her Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. her ex-husbands treated her. And so I think that's one of those things where like, I don't even think they know what they're doing when they talk to their mom. And so if you're in a a family situation or you were in a family situation that you can tell wasn't the healthiest, a lot of times it's really hard to see how it's unhealthy when you're on the inside until you've seen what healthy looks like. So I think we'd probably all pretty much encourage you guys, like Janelle was saying, find a healthy marriage and study (laughs) what it looks like. Yeah. Because it's kind of like the fish and water thing. You can't tell what's unhealthy until you get out of it and can see it from the outside. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I would say, too, I think there are some other things you can do. Like, let's say you're already in a relationship with someone. I think a lot of times if you come from a, an unhealthy, I want to say, history of your own relationships or just out of a background of unhealthy relationships that surrounded you, I think you can be blind to certain things that are really maybe obvious to people who know and love you. So the fact that other people who love you, if they have concerns about your relationship, open your ears to that because when you're falling in love and you're so obsessed with somebody, you aren't seeing them clearly. Yeah. And especially if you have on those, um, I would say, darkened glasses of your past experiences and, and, and a bad background of relational models. So um, just be really open to hearing criticism and be willing to, to challenge that and to question whether or not this person is the treating you the way that you are hoping that they would. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like assume that you have blind spots because of your history and seek to figure out what those are Mm -hmm. and be very open when people name those things. Like, I don't know if you see this, but this is what's going on. Like, yeah, be Mm -hmm. extra receptive. I think that kind of goes for people in marriages too, right? It's not just if you're going to get Mm -hmm. married, but if you're in a marriage and you feel stressed or anxious or any of these other things, but you don't know why, then you should try to find out why because mm-hmm. for the most part, marriage, your like spouse should be helping you through those things, mm-hmm. not because of those things. Yeah, yeah and we, um, so I'm, as a pastor, I get asked to do weddings and I won't do a wedding for someone if they're not willing to get premarital counseling. I think everyone can grow because of counseling. And so uh, I would just advise you to, uh, you might even want to consider getting counseling before you even get engaged um, to address some of those areas um, from your history. Like, I don't don't think counseling often hurts and most often helps. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Um, This has been really helpful, I think, um, even for for me as someone who hasn't been married, um, just to hear your guys' perspective on your own marriage and what has been helpful for you and what has you know gotten in your way that you've been able to overcome well we do have some suggested resources for any of you listening who would like to study some of these topics further Uh, so one is a podcast by mike winger the bible thinker podcast and there's a couple episodes that relate to the subject um, one called how wives submit biblically and another one directed towards husbands um, how to be a husband another resource is uh, andy stanley we mentioned him uh, in the last episode Uh, But he has a sermon series you can watch for free uh, called Love, Dates, and Heartbreaks. And specifically, if you're more in that dating, engagement period, looking for someone, uh, want to get married but aren't yet, that would be a great resource for you. And then finally, uh, we mentioned and has been super helpful for Janelle and I is The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And understanding how different people experience love and feel love differently And if you want to be for each other, that means seeking to express love in the way that they would feel loved, not the way you feel loved. And of course, like we always do, we wanted to end with some application questions for you to consider and to maybe discuss with people that you know and love. So for those of you out there who are not yet married but would like to someday get married, um, this is a question for you. First of all, consider your background. What was your parents' marriage like? What are some marriages in your life and circles that you admire? And what about them is attractive to you? Um, What kind of lessons could you take from those living models in your lives? Um, And 
bring them into your own future relationship. And the next thing is actually something taken from Andy Stanley, but it's considering how you can become the kind of person that the person you're looking for is looking for. So kind of instead of just shifting all your focus on finding that right person, um, kind of shifting that focus to what kind of person should I become so that that person would be attracted to me in the first place. Um, um, And just kind of giving you that broader vision of life is not just about finding a person to marry. It's about living life to the full in Jesus and that that can in many ways prepare you for a a great stepping stone for marriage if that is where you're headed. And even if it's not, you're going to be growing and becoming more like Jesus along the way. The next question is for people out there who are listening who are married. So this is something Luke and I have done probably not as regularly as we should, but we occasionally have what we call a state of the marriage conversation. Um, Really what it is is just a conversation about how we're doing um, at a deeper level. So you can schedule that and uh, make it a date and make it fun, um, but then also make sure you make space to ask those hard questions. Are there any things that I'm doing that are frustrating to you? Are there any ways that I'm hurting you? Um, Any ways that you're feeling especially loved by me? Um, How can I communicate better? Um, Maybe it's a financial issue in your marriage. How can we tackle this financial issue and become the team that tackles that issue instead of the issue tackling you without you looking at it directly? So um, these are just some suggestions for you. We hope that you can um, put them to practice in your own lives and that it'll improve your, your future and relationships. How do we close? Um, with a prayer. Lord, thank you for this discussion and for the openness of Luke and Janelle. Please help uh, all of the listeners to be able to think honestly, what should I be focusing on for future relationships? Or if they're already in a marriage, what can I do to love my spouse and be for my spouse better? Just help us all to love God more and to make him the center that we can build our relationships around. In Jesus' name, amen. Hmm.